0: Alex, since we're both wearing Oakland Athletics gear as we logged onto this Zoom together, I thought that it might be appropriate for us to start the podcast this week by talking about the 10-year anniversary of one seminal film, Moneyball, featuring Brad Pitt as your Lord and Savior, Billy
1: Bean. Lord and Savior, (laughs) yes, is one way of putting it. He is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
0: All wrapped in one of losing in the first round of the playoffs um I, I don't really have that much to say about it other than i'd like to i'd like to hear your feelings on moneyball 10 years later we went on a podcast called big screen sports at some point in the pandemic i don't know times all kind of blended together and we talked for a very long time about moneyball about how wonderful of a film it is about how it sort of erased a lot of anti-labor practices that have sprung up in baseball since then. Um but how do you feel about Moneyball 10 years later? Are you tuning in? Are you going to watch it? I, so, we're just talking about Moneyball, the movie, right? Money we can talk about about the Moneyball, the cinematic experience. We could talk about Moneyball, the concept. We could talk about the PR that Moneyball did, Moneyball, the movie, did for Moneyball, the concept. Or we could right. talk about the fact that Billy Bean is apparently going to be the next Mets GM. <laughs> and you can walk me Have through what fun. that's going to be
1: like. I'm excited to watch Moneyball 2.
0: Choose your adventure. How do you want to talk about Moneyball 10 years later?
1: It's a good movie. I'll just I'll throw that one. Throw that one out there into the ether. Um, I think especially as an A's fan that captures a lot of kind of the 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 aura, the magic of those years. I think that it is a a, a fool's errand to Expect that the movie would uh, would really do anything to address the more pernicious aspects of uh, of what Moneyball and sabermetrics actually meant when they uh, came into focus in the game, because I I don't think that would make for as compelling a compelling a movie, right? You know, if um, if instead of driving around listening to his kids' CD. You know songs she recorded in very high definition, by in the way. In Very high. De- she had de- access to it a nice recording it studio. Incredible recording studio. I would like for to know an eleven-year-old who, who produced, who mixed and mastered that. Um, it was me. It was I did it. <laughs> it's probably it's probably less compelling um, if Billy Bean is, you know, on the phone with uh, with a minor league, uh, with one of his minor league executives or whatever, and saying, "Well, this is why." This is why we have to keep the salaries the the way that they are. This is why uh, this is why we can't do much housing. I know that um, I know that Billy Bean is not really in charge of those those things. And although I don't expect that he would uh, he'd be too adamant about bringing them into the organization, even if he was in charge of
0: them. Do you think that if Billy Bean and Bob Melvin, he could be part of the next movie? Do you think that if they come to Queens and they win a World Series? Or if they just come to Queens and turn it around and the Mets look like anything approaching a competent franchise since it seems counterintuitive for them to be that. Do you think that they'll make Moneyball 2.0 set in New York? It's right there, dangling, right in front of the executives. Hollywood can't say no to a comeback story, Alex. That IP has been laid. Ah, yes. Billy Bean, current millionaire, in need of a redemption
1: story. (laughs) Also, like, do does maybe his kid
0: is a recording artist? There, you, there you go. Maybe the kid is he went actually to NYU. Like, <laughs> they snubbed us for an interview at this at the newspaper, right? Exactly.
1: Well, and as she as she has gone to NYU, she has taken on a little more of some radical politics, and now is clashing heads with Billy Bean. Wow! Turns and against her father. Well, right, exactly, and it becomes a real story about she's about their, Steve Cohen outside City Field, her relationship. Exactly, yes. And uh, Billy Bean has to confront what matters most to him in his life: is it his team, or is it is it his family? What kind of music is she doing now?
0: You got to keep going. You got the more like, specifics, the better. The more likely like, the Hollywood script is to get picked up. So it's like she's like a Maggie Rogers or like a Dua Lipa. Uh, I'm thinking like hyperpop, you know,
1: oh, made okay. in her in her bedroom. Nice, uh, like really likes a hundred gecks and uh, just wants to make m- music that kind of scratches at your ears a little bit, but that also that also
0: bops. Okay, I like it. We'll see if we can get this one picked up. Um, yeah, we're, we're do we feature in this movie <laughs> <laughs> as the main critics of Billy Bean out in the world, even if not that many people hear us criticize him all the time we Get small parts, even right, if exactly. it's like, we're, even if it's like we're the critical, you know, how the critical voices on the radio is like, yes, yeah, so I was just talk that. radio. What mm-hmm. if that's us playing out of the car, just sitting there, like at a pivotal moment in the movie,
1: and it's He's one of the voices, us coming one star on, on
0: iTunes, <laughs>
1: saying, Look at this, Gibraltar, schmucks that don't our know what they're queens.
0: talking about, uh. I like it I like the script I like this idea we'll keep refining it if listeners have any ideas as to how we can better get this picked up by Hollywood
1: yeah Moneyball ball two two money, money. two <laughs> ball
0: <money>, two <laughs> ball um, we are going to follow up uh, on last week's story about minor leaguers protesting wages by wearing fair ball wristbands uh, we are going to do three up three down but before we get to all of that I am Bobby Wagner I'm Alex Baisley. and you are listening to Tipping Pitches Alex, our old friend, Bob Nightingale of USA Today, reported this past week that Advocates for Minor Leaguers is investigating, quote, allegations by players in the Philadelphia Phillies organization that they were reprimanded for wearing solidarity wristbands in their final minor league game in support of increased pay and improved living conditions. Now, the story goes on to allege that Phillies executives or coaches sat them down and said this isn't the way to do this Um, and they were trying to sort of suppress that speech I guess I shouldn't be surprised that this happened although I am a little bit surprised that they were so quick to respond to this because there's such a big spotlight on this story right now relatively big spotlight but I'm surprised that they would open themselves up to this bad this level of bad optics immediately after this protest. You know, they could have just waited a month or two months and then buried this in the offseason when the story kind of died down a little bit. But for them to immediately tell these players knock it off, I don't know. I I guess I'm a little surprised that they don't feel a little bit more worried about how that would look to the public. Are you?
1: Yeah, and it's worth saying that we don't really know what, if anything, happened, right? The Phillies, for their part, obviously denied all of this. Dave Dombrowski, I believe, said that, you know, he wasn't aware of any sort of uh, reprimanding or, you know, retaliation that took place. And, quote, the the
0: wristband topic came up, but it was for knowledge's sake. No (laughs) player got in trouble or was scolded for wearing them. You know, just deposition. We're in the deposition phase. We're not in the... (laughs) Punishment yeah, this is This is discovery. We're not right in the We just want to make phase. sure we're all on the
1: same page. <laughs> but you're right that I suppose it would be surprising that they would kind of do this as more and more national outlets are kind of turning their eyes to what's going on here. And, you know, as I'm sure we'll mention that Major League Baseball players are coming out in support of this as well. And yet at the same time, I it doesn't surprise me at all that a team would want to nip this in the bud as quickly as possible, right? Because what you, what you don't want is for other players to then start talking, right? After this happens, and if management doesn't retaliate, right? If management essentially, you know, gives a de facto okay to this sort of thing, that gives players leverage and room to actually build off of this. And so that the team would retaliate in in whatever in whatever manner that they did make sense from their point of view because you don't you don't want to give them any space to actually like continue this work you want to you want to let it be clear that this sort of thing is not you know is not tolerated we don't we don't talk about this publicly we if you have problems come talk to me come talk to the boss but you know
0: don't bring it out
1: there on the field
0: right like the the very nature of the system necessitates that they hold on to it very tightly because it's it's obvious to all parties involved that it's an exploitative system and if you don't defend your exploitative system then you're acknowledging the fact that it's exploitative and exploiters don't benefit from acknowledging that type of thing like they need to hold on and suppress and suppress I just think I'm surprised a little bit in the manner with which they did it knowing how many people were paying attention to it And knowing that it was probably going to leak out, and did eventually leak out to like a really large baseball reporter. Say what you want about Nightingale getting like many things wrong, Um, a lot of people saw this and noticed that the Phillies retaliated. I mean, it should not. This conversation should not go by without us saying that like it's it's bad enough that they are paying such low wages, paying poverty wages in many cases, but to then retaliate when when players do something as small as like say not even say anything but just like wear a wristband that says treat us fairly basically it just goes to show like they've already proved it themselves that they know that this system is wrong because otherwise you wouldn't need to deny players from voicing their opinions about how wrong the system is does that make sense or am I talking myself in circles
1: no I think you're spot on I mean the last thing you want to do is litigate this stuff in public. If you are the boss, if you're the manager, you don't need the court of public opinion on the player's side, which by and large leans towards management. But on this issue, I think teams probably are aware that actually, if if the conditions were really fully exposed and players were able to speak out about you know, what they were facing, what they were being paid, et cetera, that a lot of people would not be too pleased about it and would probably fall down on the player side of things. And, you know, so we had, we've had two major league players at this point come out and wear the bands, right? Andrew McCutcheon uh, of the Phillies was the first, and then Trey Mancini of the Orioles uh, wore one as well. These, these hashtag fairball wristbands, wristbands.
0: If anyone is listening who can connect us to Andrew McCutcheon and or Trey Mancini, and they would like to come on the show and talk about why they chose to wear those wristbands, the invite is open, as it is for Bernie Sanders, as it is for many, many other folks. <laughs> what did we say last week? Tatisa and Machado? Yeah. Hell, the invite's even open for Manfred if he wants to come on and talk about anything. Always. Billy Bean? But right now, specifically, Mancini and McCutcheon, (laughs) please come on tipping pitches. But this kind of thing is
1: huge, I would say, as far as building solidarity and and building momentum for this movement, because it's clearly not going away. And we're at the point where Major Major League Baseball players feel comfortable actually speaking out and showing their support for minor leaguers, which is frankly not something we have seen a lot of over the last decade or so, right? You have individual players who maybe speak out on a case-by-case basis or who who will acknowledge in passing that conditions in the minor leagues aren't great, but never really have we seen active players stand up and say, no, this is unacceptable. You need to be treating these guys better.
0: Right, and I think that how quickly teams respond to try and shut this stuff down At the minor league level just indicates how nervous they are about how quickly things can get away from them. Because once there is collectivity amongst minor league players, once there is a union push, once there is solidarity across MLB and minor league lines, it does really start to snowball and get away from them quickly because... If as an employer, you are found retaliating against specific players because of union activity or because of attempting to form a union, well, suddenly you're violating federal labor laws. And I'm sure that a slightly more liberal, although not as left as we would like, a slightly more liberal National Labor Relations Board would love to take a crack at the 30 billionaires who own baseball teams. They would love to make a big fight out of this. and then. Beyond that, and I pointed this out on Twitter, but beyond that, if the minor leaguers did already have a union, this type of disciplinary meeting that happens after public acts of union support, this is the type of thing where you can send a union rep in there and you, can't, you don't just have carte blanche to treat the players however you want and cut them for whatever anymore. And I think that MLB teams know that there's a lot at stake there. They, they know that they are actively invested in the idea that they can cut people for any t- anything. Anytime they want, including for supporting better conditions for minor leaguers, they know that legally they have the right to do that. And the further down the the timeline of public support for better working conditions, the smaller their power becomes in the equation.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a lot lot at stake here. And while... I certainly don't think a minor league union is on the horizon anytime soon for plenty of reasons that I think Craig Calcaterra articulated pretty succinctly a couple episodes ago. That doesn't mean that meaningful change can't happen outside of that. And I think players understand that and advocates for minor leaguers understands that. And that really the first step in this is courting the public's favor, which is why you have you know, a couple dozen players trotting out there onto the field with this message on their arm. And I really would encourage all the Major League Baseball players who listen to this show, of, all of them.
0: there are many. So many. I mean, if Billy Bean is driving in his car listening to this show, then you have to at least <laughs> believe maybe the A's players listen to this show. <laughs> it's possible, yes. Thanks for listening, Matt Olson. I know you appreciate the leftist takes. They have a platform. They do. They
1: can elevate this message to a much broader audience than some players can at MCO MCU Park, right? Where games are not nationally televised, where there are not always beat reporters tweeting out every everything that happens. What, you know, whatever it looks like, major league players have the platform that minor leaguers don't. And for this battle to truly tip in in minor league players' favor it needs that solidarity from the p a which we know why they you know they haven't stood behind them right because they don't have a they don't have much to gain as a union by throwing their support behind the behind minor league players, but individual players do still have a ton of power and and that and that matters
0: okay while we're talking about the m l b p a really quickly before we go to three up three down, I did want to ask you. As we head into October, it's just about a month left of baseball, maybe six weeks left of baseball, depending on how many games the World Series is. You think there's going to be a strike this offseason? We haven't talked about it in a while. I kind of forgot with how closely I've been paying attention to actual baseball pennant races. This is exactly what the owners want, by the way. They want you to just focus on the baseball, not worry about the labor stuff. Even I, Alex, forgot that there's almost certainly going to be some sort of work stoppage or some sort of pushing right up to the goal line of a work stoppage so i ask you just as a check-in on september 26th alex Baisley on the record will there be a strike and or lockout in the 2021 2022 major league baseball offseason
1: yeah i think the the owners are probably going to strike um they don't think they're being treated fairly by fans. Probably not. They don't feel like they're being sh- treated fairly by players either.
0: They're and going on I strike su- against and I support banks. Banks? <laughs> <laughs> like, who is above owners? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, we're striking Venture against the government. <laughs> yeah, we're striking against the government. They're starting a sovereign state. Um,
1: In all seriousness, I have to imagine that there will be some sort of work stoppage. and. It feels more likely to me that it may be a lockout, given that that's effectively an automatic process that kicks in if they can't come to an agreement once the CBA expires. I think neither side really wants to get to a point where the players are on strike. And, you know, the upshot of it is that they effectively have most of the offseason to. Hash this thing out, even if the CBA does expire and the players are effectively locked out. There's still time before spring training where they can actually negotiate over these sorts of things without it impacting, you know, the schedule, without it impacting actual baseball. I do think there is an interesting wrinkle to this conversation, or or another thread to pull out, which is that on Monday, the day this episode comes out. Is the, the beginning of the grievance hearing between Major League Baseball and the MLBPA over the length of the twenty twenty season and the discussion about whether or not the the league acted in good faith when negotiating the it. length. But it did not.
0: Do we do we think it did? We have, like, 18 podcast episodes from 2020 that uh I can't remember recording, but definitely we said they did not act in good faith.
1: (laughs) They were kind of... They were contradicting things that were already part of the public record, you know? Like, Manfred was leaking stuff, and we would say, didn't the thing you guys said three weeks ago kind of make this point obsolete? So there's a lot of evidence out there. And I have to imagine... I'm not going to try and read the tea leaves on how this grievance process will actually go because I have no tea leaves. No clue. There's there's no tea leaves. Just water in a cup. (laughs) Just, just guessing. (laughs) Um, I do have to imagine that it puts a little extra pressure on the whole contract negotiations and proceedings because I imagine that the grievance will not just be a very a, a dandy time for everyone, right? They're already going to kind of be in a state of aggravation and acrimony, and uh, you know, accusatory. Give me another a a word that indicates fighting, um, arguing. I suppose argumentative. Argumentative. There you go. I think it will it will set the tone. Let me just right. say that. Yeah. And and and. Beckon a somewhat uh somewhat
0: testy environment legally speaking, one will not have any impact on the other because one is being negotiated under terms of a previous c b a and the other one the other next c b a negotiations have to happen entirely separately, so one will not like they will not maybe they will drop the charges or maybe they will drop the grievance against m l b in exchange for something in the future c b a but that's unlikely they will they right. will drop it in a handshake deal. It won't be like across the table they will drop that. It right. would it's more be like written a, a negotiation.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Right. It will not be written into a clause in the next collective bargaining agreement. But you're right in that it will add gasoline on the fire of the conflict that is happening that has been unfolding more and more over the last couple of years between the PA and the owners. I don't know. I I think that, uh, number one, I'm curious, logistically speaking, how this offseason will go. If the CBA expires on December 1st and then they're just not going to do free agency after that. I mean, I know owners have decided not to do free agency from December 1st till February anyway, on their own accord. Maybe (laughs) the last couple of years have just been practicing for a a lockout. Um, But I'm curious how how the actual business will operate in that time span. We'll obviously have to do a crash course on that um, once that rolls around. Potentially, I mean, what they could do is just extend the terms of the current CBA for two months so that they can continue to conduct business. But I don't know what free agent is signing under the terms of the old CBA, not knowing what the next CBA is going to guarantee them. No big free agent is going to do that. That will only affect very fringe guys. So, yeah, I mean, the fact that we're not hearing much, you could take it two ways, right? The fact that we're not hearing much is probably good. Knowing what we've known about when labor relations have been at their worst, it's when the owners decide to leak the most. So we heard like a sort of batshit, you're not going to be a free agent until you're 29 and a half. We heard a basically lowered salary cap proposal. But other than that, we haven't heard that the players are being completely unreasonable byline New York post. You know, like we haven't gotten any of those yet. And maybe it just, maybe they'll start slinging that mud on November fourth, the day after Game Seven of the World Series, but we're yet to see. I just wanted to check in with you. That's it. So your vote is yes. My vote is also yes.
1: <laughs> we we strive for consensus on this show. We're both uh, the exact same amount of pessimistic, <laughs> which is which is good. That's why this show st- still exists. And there will one of be us, no- if, if one of us was optimistic <laughs> about Major League Baseball, the corporation, I'm not sure we'd be able to get through a discussion.
0: Right. There will be no internal schism of our leftist collective here on Tipping Pitches. Not today. <laughs> not any day. Unless you keep talking really nice about the St. Louis Cardinals. We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will do three-up 3 down. time has come to go three up and three right back down alex are we starting with down or are we starting with up let's start with up this week okay my first up this week is the euro step off euro step competition between jazz chisholm and josh rogers that occurred last week alex you'll remember. The Jazz Chisholm is the rookie sensation for the Miami Marlins? I don't know. He's having a really cool year and he's a really cool player. Unfortunately, the Marlins have been 20 games under 500 for like a few months, so not that many people are paying attention to him. Uh, but Jazz does something when he hits a home run. When he's about to cross home plate, he does a little Euro step celebration as he steps on the plate. That's cool. I like that. Um, Josh Rogers said that if Jazz is going to do that to us when he hits a home run, I should be able to do that right back to him. So Josh Rogers struck Jazz out the next day after he did that to the Nationals. Josh Rogers is a is a random pitcher for the Nationals who is playing because wow. the Nationals trade traded wow. all of their other a players. Random pitcher for is the he a Nationals? prospect?
1: I mean, no, I, I think he is a random
0: pitcher, but you do not have to throw shade at him him like that. It is what it is. Okay, it is what it is, and uh, he struck out Jazz Chisholm, and he Euro you know, stepped off the mound. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that. A euro step off the mound. Pretty cool.
1: Yes, it was good. Uh, This is for for what it's worth. This was also my my first up this week. I kind of expected that. I kind of expected that we may have some overlap this week, which is which is fun. That's good. It, It makes both of our lives easier. But
0: the biggest up here is that after the game, Jazz was asked about this and he was like, this is cool. I appreciate that. I might have to do a new celebration now just to mix things up because Josh Rogers did that back to me, so I might have to keep everybody fresh and on their toes. Very easy to just be cool about stuff and then move on. Everybody had fun with it. We don't need to make this a beanball war because someone Euro stepped off the mound. Jazz tweeted it at Rogers.
1: I love it! With three exclamation marks. And Rogers responded, Yes, sir, my dog. My dog. To, yes, two sir. One, two my one hundred emojis, and that was it. End the conversation. We moved on. Everyone had fun. Should we start interacting
0: with each other like that on Twitter? When you make a good tweet, I'm going to quote tweet it and say, "I love it." One hundred, one hundred, uh-huh. and then you respond saying, "Yes, sir." My dog. You got it, boss. Uh, so that means I have to go again because that's also <laughs> so your first up. I'm
1: gonna uh, toss it right back to you.
0: Okay, great. Uh, my second up this week is that. The San Francisco Giants dressed up like they were manning a ship on the ocean. Brandon Belt wore a sea captain uniform and the rest of the Giants, as they were walking off the plane, deplaning, as we say in the aviation business. The rest of them wore like sailor boy outfits. Uh, This this comes because earlier in the season, I think we talked about it on the show, Brandon Belt fashioned himself a C on his jersey and pretended to be the captain. And he did a whole press conference, you know, in a a a facetiously baseball dude tone. And since then the Giants have been having a lot of fun with it. Why wouldn't you be having fun? You're a team that's gonna win 110 games. Plenty of time for fun. You're winning all the time. Uh and so as the C captain, Brandon Belt dressed up and the rest of the Giants dressed up along with him. I I put this on my up this week week because not because I'm getting soft on the Giants. I still think their despicable baseball team is actually not that good. And I'm sticking to it, despite the fact that I am wrong. Um, Not because I'm getting soft on the Giants, but mostly because this is just the kind of stuff that comes out of left field that just makes me laugh. It just gives you a good old chuckle because not every team is willing to do stupid stuff like this and dress up in silly costumes as they're getting off the plane. And it's delightfully weird. And I think that you know, baseball and team chemistry at its best is when it's just throwing you stuff that is delightfully weird and just not really a downside to it. So Brandon Belt as a sea captain, congrats to you. Yeah, I totally
1: agree. Um there were a couple costume pictures circulating this week. The the Dodgers partook in the fun as well. And the the one that got the most attention was their their starting rotation dressing up like they were in a biker gang. Yeah. Max Scherzer looked like the only one who belonged there. <laughs> the, the the helmet looked a little big for Walker Bueller, and he's wearing uggs, so we could we could get a little more intimidating. That's my there. kind of biker gang. Uh-huh. But this was it, the context that I that seemed to be missing from this was that the whole team dressed up. This was a costume trip that they, that they took They were on their last, uh, they were going on their last road series. And so for the flight, everyone, everyone dressed up in you know, costumes and there were some um, much better ones in there than the quote, most feared biker gang in the world. Um, let's see, Joe Kelly was the Grinch <laughs> and like, like all like went for it. I, Will Smith obviously <laughs> went fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Right. Uh, what else is here? Kenley Jansen dressed up as Captain America, which is just incredible. And in this photo, he's also uh, toting a, what appears to be a guitar over his shoulder. And it's maybe the most badass I've ever seen. Kenley Jansen. I'm just going to put that out there. Right. Max Muncy's a state
0: trooper. Ooh, tough, tough look. Max
1: what Muncy. What have expected Blake
0: Trinan? well, what did he dress up as?
1: He and, uh, and Trey Turner and a third unidentified person.
0: They dressed up as Donald Trump and Donald Trump Jr. and Eric Trump. <laughs> <laughs> they could have made it work, but they dressed up as
1: if they were from Top Gun.
0: Oh, damn it. So, I love Top Gun. That's sad. Yeah. Is Top Gun canceled now? Top Gun's been canceled. I mean, Top Gun has <laughs> been canceled and then brought back. You know, it's like you only accept it as canceled literature, right? Exactly. All this to say,
1: it's very enjoyable. I like seeing. I like seeing players just
0: do stupid shit. Can we come back to Max Muncy being a state trooper? Max, have you read the news lately? Maybe just check in on I, the news. Do, just, just, do just, we, just, just check in on the. Do news. we? Do we think Max Muncy has read the news lately? No, do I we know. think most of these guys have? No maybe we don't want them to read the news because they wouldn't be reading the right kind of news all right we spent a long time on on costumes so what's what's second up for you uh
1: second up for me was that i was able to attend an oakland athletics baseball game this past week
0: and you stayed in billy bean's box suite right 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 because he doesn't watch the games (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you went down there and you did a little lat pull down with him, yeah, pumped pumped some iron, hopped on the mm-hmm. treadmill during the 7th inning stretch, you know, working on that 7 minute mile. Yeah, flicked the flicked the radio on then flicked it
1: off cuz right. I didn't like how it was going. Yeah. Uh you know, I got to go to the coliseum and I I cherish every visit there these days cuz I'm not sure which one will be the last one, but I I went in celebration my mother's birthday. With her and my my lovely girlfriend Gabriella, and we had a grand old time. You know, we were one of, I think, forty five hundred people there. Brutal. And I'm like, I'm not kidding. No, I, I know the, the attendance the, numbers for the A's are very, very bad. Yes, we. I know we were playing the Seattle Mariners, and it was in the middle of the week. But guys, guys, in my down, I will have more to say about uh about about why this might be. But yeah. I will just say despite uh uh attendance and despite a loss despite a rocky finish to the Oakland Athletic season it's nice to like go out there and be around like like-minded people you know right. not feel feel like the outlier in cheering for for your team yeah which uh I don't know if you've ever gone to Yankee Stadium
0: to root for the other team I have It's an experience. I wore a Matt Harvey jersey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was tough. (laughs) Pretty much every time I've gone to Yankee Stadium has been to root for the other team, just not so openly all the time. Right, exactly. (laughs) Sometimes you get like a like,
1: "Let's go Twins." The other when I went (laughs)
0: when
1: I went to see them earlier this season, I may I think I may have said that the the security guard kind of
0: wished me luck Mm -hmm. going in. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the vibe you get. I don't think anybody would beat you up. You're very non threatening. No offense. I mean, (laughs) that's fair. (laughs) He's a relaxed guy, you know? Right.
1: I mean, I do host a podcast, so most people could probably take me.
0: Ooh. Wow. Long look in the mirror. All right. My third up this week is... Well, first, before we move on, happy birthday to your mom. I'm glad you guys got to go to a game together at the Coliseum. Yeah. Shouts out.
1: Pour one out for shadow producer, Lisa. All
0: right. My third up this week is... Alex, did you see the video of my beloved childhood best friend rookie the bat dog running onto the field in buffalo mid at bat during Kevin biggio's at bat did you see this video i didn't see this video okay, let me just play a little audio for the listeners and for you
1: in 15 as rookie the bat dog here at salem field tonight a little over anxious is now out by the pitcher's mound
0: here for the final dog day of the season Eastman's got the ball. He wanted it. Yeah. He wanted the baseball. Easy there, rookie. Easy. I do think that Major League Baseball could benefit from just having more dogs run on the field. A long-time take of mine is that every commercial, every ad should have a dog in it because dogs have the highest approval rating of anything in the United States of America. And I haven't been challenged on this assertion yet because every commercial that has a dog, everybody's like, that's a good commercial. So I'm waiting for the bad commercial with a dog. And I'm waiting for how a dog could make a Major League Baseball game worse. It can't. I'm just telling you, it can't. Have more dogs, run on more fields, and see what happens. We could even make this like Air Bud. We could let the dogs play. I mean, some teams, you might not even notice the difference. <laughs> I, I, I will say, can you guarantee that the Orioles would have lost more games if they had a dog manning one of the nine positions on the field? I can't. They've lost 106 games already. <laughs> Harsh, harsh, but fair. I'm curious
1: to hear how every dog owner uh, would hear about the proposal to have a dog on TV every commercial break. What's wrong Do with we, that? We think we think all the dogs around America will, will respond appropriately to that. I'm sure whenever dogs see dogs on TV, they're usually they pay no attention,
0: right? They Sometimes, say that's most. My dog doesn't really notice most dogs on TV unless they're barking for an extended period of time. Dogs have a hard time seeing screens. They're not like humans. Mm. Well, I've, and been, they're around, better off I've been, been around
1: dogs who 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 will say <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> for whom that is the only thing
0: they see. Really? Well, let's just try it out for a year. Can't get worse. Right. The only exactly. thing that we see I mean, on commercials is... now with more consistency is old people holding hands after taking a medication that will extend their life for $300 a pill. That's <laughs> true. Well, it's nowhere and... to go but up.
1: As we, as we know, this is also kind of how Major League Baseball approaches product changes is they have an idea and then they say, okay, let's
0: just do it and see what happens. We'll check back in a year. <laughs> uh, so I think we're in good company. The sneaky down part of this is that Kevin Biggio's in AAA. Man, I kind of thought he was pretty good for the Blue Jays for a while there, but I guess he's not. Yeah, he's not having, a, not having a very good year. It doesn't help that they signed Marcus Simeon and he's been the best second baseman in baseball. Tough beat for Kevin Biggio. Mm-hmm. that's hard shout out to rookie the bat dog former bat dog of the Trent thunder by the way um all right you're up my last up this week if only
1: as a counterbalance to some of the the baltimore Orioles slander in that in that last discussion is the season that cedric mullins is having this year which he's playing in baltimore so I do not expect many people to have been watching many games in which Cedric Mullins was playing was was performing but perform he did quite well in fact can I can I just can I read you a list of the only the only active players in the league to to have a a 30-30 season that's that's 30 home runs and 30 stolen bases
0: I'm ready yeah let's hear it
1: yeah it's going to be uh, Mike Trout okay I know Rookie that guy uh,
0: I know that guy as well yeah, I know him too. Christian Yelich. Him, I haven't heard of in a while. I remember him. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see he was wearing more than... Wearing cleats that he was going to uh, auction off and donate to more than baseball a couple days ago? Stock feels down right now. E. But you know, Sorry, some people would pay no, for Christian no Yelich. No need for
1: Christian Yelich slander Some people right would now. pay for
0: cleats worn by Christian Yelich just just because he's a handsome guy. You know?
1: I mean, he's still a good baseball player.
0: But the segment's not
1: about Christian Yelich. It's about Cedric Mullins. Back to said That... That list rounds out with, uh, with Jose Ramirez, Ronald Acuna Jr., and, of course, Cedric Mullins, outfielder for the Baltimore Orioles, who has been a shining spot in an otherwise somewhat lackluster team, which is arguably the nicest thing I can say about the 2021 Baltimore Orioles. If
0: 110 losses is somewhat lackluster, I want you to be my boss. <laughs> <laughs> During the game where Mullins
1: hit his 30th home run, the the Orioles, in the following inning, when they were headed out to play defense, hung back in the dugout while Mullins took the field so that he could have a moment to let the fans appreciate him, show their respect for him. And I don't know. It was kind of a goosebumps moment, man. It's like, it's the things that like, really put things in perspective and the Orioles may not have had many goosebumps moments this season, but it's nice to like at least have some, someone to pin your hopes upon as, as a, as a fan of a team who's seen many stars come and go and seen many good teams come and go with, with very little to show for it. I can appreciate those, those players who really actually give you something to dream on. And you really say, I know this isn't going to, this may not happen forever. Cedric Mullins may not even be a part of the next good Baltimore Orioles team, but I sure hope so because he he deserves it.
0: Hang that top five MVP finish banner in Camden Yards, <laughs> baby. Sorry, that's I had, right. I had to bring it back down for the Orioles fans. Yeah, can't, of course. I mean, it is the Orioles. What are you, you going to do? Can't let them think they were being too nice to them. Uh, amazing season for Cedric Mullins. What an amazing player. He, the growth that he has shown in the last couple years, and I'm not going to pretend like I've been following Cedric Mullins career, but this is like inarguably sustainable performance. Nobody else has lucked into a season like this ever. Now, this might be his best career year, sure, but like, he is now a legitimately above average MLB starter. And to turn yourself into that, while also on a team that sucks, it's like, it's really cool. It's cool to watch. Yes. Couldn't have said it better. Uh, All right. I think that that means we're on to down. We are indeed on to down. Why don't we just get this one out of the way, Alex, since I know that we both okay, okay. have it on our list. Um, I think it's being called Cardgate. Sure. If you're not aware, the Tampa Bay Rays, formerly known as the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, and the Toronto Blue Jays had a little bit of dust up this past week uh, when Rays center fielder Kevin Kiermeyer was sliding into home plate and Jays catcher Alejandro Kirk dropped an index card, Alex, which had the Jays' entire strategy for how to pitch to the Rays' entire lineup on it. These index cards are very common in baseball now. They are sent from the analytics department out with different players. If you're a center fielder, you might have one for defensive alignment. If you are a catcher, you might have one for pitching strategy against the players that are in the opposing team's lineup. It's very common. I think it's kind of weird. There's no other thing in the sport where it just tells you what to do. Like the, the proliferation of these things is kind of strange. But if you're going to have them, here's what you can't do. You can't drop it. You can't <laughs> fumble that and give it to the other team. And then what you can't do after that is throw at the other team because they picked it up. You dropped it. My down this week is that the Jays are a bunch of big babies for this. I'm sorry. Sorry. I usually don't get this takey, but this is a bunch of loser behavior from the Jays. A team that I am basically rooting for to win the World Series because there is nobody better. And I love this team full of very fun players. And I like Alejandro Kirk, but you cannot drop this card. Even Charlie Montoya, who is the Jays manager, said that it was all water under the bridge. Actually, actually, Bobby. He He said said it was was all agua agua under uh, the bridge. bridge. He said it was agua (laughs) under the bridge. After this happened, and then the Jays players took it upon themselves to throw at Kevin Kiermaier anyway. It's so broken and backwards. It makes me so angry that Ryan Barucki decided to throw at Kevin Kiermaier the next day or two days later or whatever. And a lot of Jays fans are like, this was cheating. No, it wasn't. It wasn't cheating. You dropped the card. You gave it to them. If you just yelled your signs out loud, it wouldn't be cheating for the other team to hear the signs. Well, that's basically what you did. You dropped your strategy. Right. This is of all the sign stealing scandals
1: we've had as of late, of which there have been many, this is by far the dumbest. This is this is like if when the Yankees were playing the Astros, they just instead of using any sort of trash cans, the Astros came across a hard drive that said secret do not do not touch that had the password written on it. Just just
0: sitting out. And the Astros took it. I, do, I think that the stakes got raised in a really weird way about this because there was some writers, I forget who exactly tweeted this phrasing, but I saw multiple p- people share a similar sentiment that was like, I can't think of a card that I would want the opponent to have less. Or like, I can't think of a worse situation for the Jays.
1: And I'm Social like... Social security guard?
0: <laughs> what are you talking about? Card? Every team knows... Their own weaknesses. They're all looking at the same data that you are. You don't have some proprietary formula to get the raise out 100% of the time. So yes, this is a suggestion for the catcher to use in conjunction with the pitcher. But if you think that you cannot beat the raise because you dropped this card, you have bigger problems. So the stakes were really not that high, and then people made them that high right afterwards. They were higher than the Jays were ever even acting like they were. People on Twitter were acting like they were higher than the Jays were acting. And then it became this whole thing where nobody could have a reasonable opinion about this. As many things tend to be in baseball. Including one John Heyman. Who came in off the top rope completely unprompted. Nobody asked him for his fucking opinion. But he decided to tweet. Ray's announcer keeps saying that once Kirk dropped his scattering report on the field. It's fair game for Kiermaier to take it. What if a $100 bill fell out of Kirk's pocket? Would that be fair game for Kiermaier to take two? What if it was a family portrait? He gets that too? Electric writing. Many, many, many baseball players do carry family
1: portraits in their back, <laughs> in their back pocket.
0: You can't make this shit up. Like I said, to, I said to Ringer MLB show host Michael Bauman that this is the funniest baseball tweet since Ken Rosenthal's read the article, Mr. Sugar Penis. <laughs>
1: It's so bad. And there's been a lot of bad faith reading about this whole situation. And I think that Kevin Kiermeyer himself has not done himself many favors because he very easily could have shut a lot of this down, but has now given interviews over multiple days where he continues to to, you know. Claim that he did nothing wrong and he was, you know, I didn't, I didn't really look at the card, but you know, I just kind of picked it up and, and again, like I am, I'm over it, but like I don't see why they should have a problem with it and uh and you know we should i mean they they dropped the card and so as i said before uh i picked it up and i didn't really didn't really read what was on you know and i imagine the blue jays were half responding to him picking up the card and half responding to just him not shouting the fuck up
0: him not pretend yeah him pretending like he didn't read it or right exactly nobody in the race side read it yeah no you're right but also in his defense they threw a 94-mile-an-hour projectile at him afterwards for this. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. I would be pretty mad if I were Kevin Kiermaier. Now, yeah. the worst part of all of this, now let me be selfish for a moment, the worst part of all of this is that I had to, because my principals told me to, Alex, I had to get on Twitter.com and defend the Tampa Bay fucking Rays. <laughs> Nothing worse could come of this.
1: <laughs> yeah, tough beat for all of us. Let's. Uh, we really should make this Agua under the bridge. If I'm being honest,
0: you're right. Um, we gotta, Can we come up with a better name than Cardgate? We don't need to just add gate to the end of everything. Spygate with the Patriots that worked, but there are better ways to delineate that this was a scandal. You know, right? I'm. Should we start
1: making shirts that say Minor League Paygate? <laughs> then maybe that'll get more attention. Exploiter exploitation gate
0: (laughs) collusion gate. Yeah, doesn't doesn't that's a little bit redundant. (laughs) (laughs) All right, what is? Well, do I have to go again now? Can you just go? What's (laughs) your What's your next down? Okay, my next down. Uh, well, let's let's
1: let's keep it in the family here, since we're talking about the Rays. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays this postseason will be making the very curious decision. To uh, to flip the bird to fans who attend their game. Okay. Do you recall the plan, Bobby? Of of the Tampa Bay floated a little while back. To split their time between Tampa Bay and Montreal.
0: Calling it a plan is one way of saying it. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was. I kind didn't of see words, much they planning. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that went into that proposal, but yes, I recall that. Yeah.
1: Well, they're uh, they're still beating that drum. Because they are going to be displaying a sign in Tropicana Field this offseason to to showcase this quote-unquote plan of a split future between Tampa Bay and Montreal.
0: Alex, Team what could be cheaper than one baseball stadium? I got something for you. Two baseball stadiums. Two baseball stadiums. Listen, if the taxpayers I mean, pay for both of them. Right, exactly. If the cities <laughs> are them, giving them away,
1: make make it four baseball stadiums. <laughs> six one for each month put them in different countries it's like the harlem globetrotters like they don't even need to have a their own place they'll just just hop around i think i think now what we're describing is just teams teams traveling you know there are just 30 baseball stadiums and they just uh nobody owns they any just of all, them nobody yeah you have to book maybe them out is, like concert
0: venues right
1: maybe this is the the,
0: the rays are playing Lollapalooza next we weekend <laughs>
1: <laughs> so team president matt Silverman. Revealed this in an interview last week, and he said that they wanted to unveil the sign at the first playoff game. And I'm reading this from a story in the Tampa Bay Times. He said, we're going to add a sign in the right field foul territory with a very simple Tampa Bay-Montreal graphic. Okay, sounds simple. Especially with the eyes of baseball on us this October, we want that visible symbol of our plan and our excitement it's for not it. a plan. <laughs> it will mark the effort subtly
0: and keep the focus on winning. <laughs> it will market subtly. We're building a sign that's going to be on national <laughs> television. So subtle that we want to leave this city for half the year. I thought this was dead in the water when when they floated this and nobody seemed to think it was a reasonable proposal because it's not. I thought that they just kind of backed off of that.
1: Well, uh, Silverman says that it, it still remains the best and possibly only chance. To keep the team in the Tampa Bay area long term, and talks have been progressing in the background. So I don't know. (laughs) Seems like he kind of disarmed that argument. Broke,
0: leaving a city, woke, leaving a city for half the year. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't understand.
1: There still feels like there's no way this actually happens. But I do think it's incredibly funny and incredibly bleak that the team would be so brazen as to kind of wave this in front of their fans faces. You know what what makes me come back to stadiums? Yeah. My team having a sign saying we're leaving. <laughs> we're leaving for half the year. That's why you went we to the Coliseum to last week, right? I, exactly. Yes, like I get off on that.
0: <laughs> I actually have an idea for the rays. Are you ready? Okay. This is the new market inefficiency, and I'm just going to say it out loud on the podcast. All of our listeners are going to get the first inside scoop to invest in this. Here it is. Instead of building a stadium in Canada, instead of building a stadium in Tampa Bay, instead of building a stadium in any state, instead of building a stadium, period, you play on a ship in international waters. That way you don't have to follow the CBA. Boom. Don't pay your players anything. You move the stadium. You just throw down a couple bases, you know, maybe a Frisbee, a second base on an airplane hangar in international waters. And you just get around all of the CBA. You don't have to follow any of the rules. Oh, my God. Can you think of all the crimes they'd be able to do? Unbelievable amount of crimes. Matthew Silverman, if you're listening. That spreadsheet would be popping off. Let me just say. We could get a sign up in center field for this during the ALCS. I like this idea.
1: I think it'd probably be a better a better use for our naval ships these days anyway.
0: Antitrust exemption be damned. We don't even need the antitrust exemption. We don't have U.S. laws applying to us. CBA can't get me in international waters, Alex. <laughs> you know,
1: you've spoken this out loud and this is going to make its way to a baseball team who says, Let's huh,
0: go. could we make this happen? Let's go. Somebody is going to do it. At least I came up with it first. This is my IP now. I get a cut of this. Yeah, I'm pivoting the back I'm sure to reactionary th- I'm sure conservatism.
1: I'm sure they'll uh, they'll operate in good faith and, uh, and acknowledge that you came up with
0: this idea. This, like Moneyball 2.0, is our IP. I'll share it with you. You're my business partner. <laughs> <laughs> we own a company together <laughs> all right
1: going off the rails but i think we each oh you have you have two more up i have two. i still I'm, i you have two more down i still have one so i i think i'll toss it back to you
0: yes my second down this week is actually the think pieces that come out about the tampa bay rays front office <laughs> nice 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 <laughs> we promise we didn't Lots plan Tampa this. bay rays airtime i don't this, even this episode. i'm not even gonna spend a lot of time talking about this but just it's actually impossible to go a month without someone writing a think piece about what would happen if a different Rays executive ran a different team. It's like, Heim Bloom is it the GM of the Red Sox. What if he was the GM of the Mets? That is an actual piece that was written last week, Alex. I understand that there's not a lot of positive things to write about the Mets. I understand that they're currently looking for someone to run their baseball operations since they've had to fire. <laughs> two different people in the last eight months who ran their baseball operations. But it's not interesting. It's not compelling. It just reinforces all these same ideas that all of the teams should try to operate like the Rays, which for we've talked about a million times for a million reasons, is not sustainable and or in the interest of fans. It's not. Guess what Heimblum would have done if he ran the Mets? I want you to guess, because I know what would have happened. I've looked into the crystal ball and I have seen that future. <laughs> I don't think we'd be staring down a Francisco Lindor extension. I'll tell you what, we're staring at Jacob DeGrom pitching for the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Wow. Bleak thought. Yeah. You just You just put out there. Uh, I know, but apparently if I pitched it in that way, I could write this think piece for any number of outlets. If these outlets are so desperate for content, we are here. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> nope. We don't work for that. <laughs> We don't worry we our 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 rider is too long. <laughs> if they would that's like true. to distribute the podcast on their platform, that's fine. They yeah, can talk exactly. about that. But complete and total and editorial and financial independence. I want Think Pieces about us next. They're coming. Yeah. That's the next evolution for the podcast. <laughs> People writing <laughs> Think Pieces about us, Jesus Christ, no. Um bag left, but for baseball? Question mark? <laughs> What's your final down this week, please, for the love of God? My final down this week is
1: one that I'm, uh, I, I, I'm quite upset about and I, I could rant for a while about, but I won't, though I could. It's the Rays front office. It's the Rays. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is Tampa Bay Rays West. Those yeah. darn Oakland Athletics. Oh, yeah. Who this past week announced that, uh, that season tickets. Were back on sale, if fans were interested.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, they were going to be approximately forty percent higher than uh, they were the year prior. For some, is a little less. For some, is a little more. Season tickets usually go up a couple percentage points every year because inflation, right? I mean, owners recognize that inflation exists when it benefits them. So. <laughs>
0: But that was a good this, one. Good one. It got me. I don't know why I laughed so hard at that. I'm Sorry. That's just letting people as a window into our friendship where sometimes you just say something and it just catches me off. Sometimes it gets you. Sometimes it gets you. Um
1: in certain places, season tickets will be more expensive than, say, the New York Yankees.
0: Mm. Similar product,
1: been, though. F- right. Similar product. I don't know if you've been following the uh the whole situation with the Oakland A's over the last, um, I don't know, two decades or so, right? They, they tend to, uh, they tend to roll out a pretty middling payroll, mm-hmm. and they, they as of late have not pulled great crowds, and despite putting out a decent team every year, they they haven't been able to do much with it, right? I'm looking forward to them using this money to, I don't know, extend Starling Marte. Because that's the only reasonable thing I can think of that they would do with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, all all kidding aside, it feels like a real slap in the face to Ace fans, especially when the team is at a crossroads of whether or not they're going to stay in Oakland and get this stadium built and are continuing to push the slogan, Rooted in Oakland, while they tour sites in Las Vegas
0: dog they spent so much money on that PR campaign though they got to get mm-hmm. all their money's worth they i i guess <laughs> by raising prices
1: for season tickets and i i can't speculate why this is but i'm going to speculate and i'm sure there are many reasons but um i have to think that among them is the fact that the A's need as good of a case as they can get that Oakland is no longer a viable place to play baseball? Yeah, and and what better way to make that argument than by saying, "Well, the fans aren't coming. They're not buying season ticket packages. They're not showing up to games. We can't do it here anymore. Yeah, they don't want us. Stack the deck. Yeah, torpedo
0: your torpedo your relationship, and then there's nowhere else to go. Yeah, I mean." teams that have low attendance continually making it more expensive to go to games is proof of concept that MLB owners don't need the money from tickets to run an operation. Because they are willfully, intentionally, actively driving people away from coming to their games. Them, you know, raise ownership, whatever it might be. Like these teams that have the the lowest attendance in baseball, year after year, magically, their owners are not going broke. I wonder how. I wonder how John Fisher's net worth keeps going up. I wonder how Stu Sternberg, who's always out of money, according to all of the people who cover him, I wonder how he's still running a profit year over year. How does this keep happening, Alex? I don't understand. It's so hard. Ticket prices don't affect what the team does on the field. They just don't. And so, when a team chooses to raise ticket prices, when a team team like the A's chooses to raise season ticket package prices by 40%. What they're telling you is that they think they have you over a barrel if you want to come to the game. And they're just going to extort you for all of that money. And if you won't pay it, somebody else will. And it's all gravy. It's not actually their business model. Getting people to come to games and putting the best product on the field for that amount of people who come to games is not the business model anymore. And if you don't see that, you're just not paying attention. I mean, that's just
1: basic supply and demand, right? You, you supply the money that they demand. <laughs> that's kind of,
0: I don't, don't have much of a choice there. I, don't know. I didn't take macroeconomics, but <laughs> that sounds different than what I was led to believe supply and demand is. <laughs> hmm. I have,
1: yeah, it's weird. I'm starting to think that maybe baseball doesn't operate exactly in a free market.
0: That's not possible. How dare you? Hmm. How dare you insinuate that? These are yeah. free market men at their core. Yeah. They're just that's like saying they they're don't American believe in... American businessmen. That's like saying they don't believe in the American dream, Alex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The American yeah. dream that they're allowing their minor leaguers to try and live, to try and bootstrap every day.
1: And that, and, that, and that antitrust exemption, they don't even use it. They don't even need it. No. You can get rid of it if you want. I mean, don't get rid of it, but like... Uh they uh,
0: why? why just, they don't need they, they don't need it. I don't know why you would even insinuate that. My final down this week. St. Louis Cardinals on a W15. Not sure if you've seen this, but they're coming for the record. They're coming for your record. Your Moneyball 1.0 record. As of uh about 20 minutes ago, they're on W16. Oh, so. Wow. See, I have it written right here in my notes. W15. Let me add a little six there. W16, Alex. And my down, other than the fact that I hate watching the Cardinals win, my down is that you did this. (laughs) You did it. I'm looking you right in the eyes on the Zoom. You did it. Yeah, I know. And you know you did. You know you did. (laughs) You can't look me in the eye. You can't face the music. You're assuming a correction on a previous post. That's fine. But you did it. So you got to own up to it right here on the podcast for all of our wonderful listeners who deserve better than you allowing the Cardinals to win 16 straight baseball games. (laughs) I'm only going to dig my heels in. I'm going to double down. You're leaving the podcast for the Turning Point USA baseball show.
1: (laughs) Wow. Wow.
0: Where the Cardinals are the first and only team. Uh Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Cardinals first. Uh... From while, one TP to another TP. That's right.
1: <laughs> while watching the Cardinals have regular season success doesn't bring me much in the way of, of joy, I will reiterate what I said last week, which is that it will create some sort of catharsis one way or another in the postseason. The Giants and Dodgers historically have, uh, have had some trouble with those with those pesky red birds. That devil magic seems to seems to get them good from time to time. And Do I need again, to reiterate what, again
0: that I don't want the Dodgers to be eliminated by the Cardinals? That is not Catharsis. <laughs> I feel fine about that. Well, you didn't have to watch Carlos Beltron take the curveball ball that ended the Mets two thousand seven <laughs> playoff run, two thousand six playoff run. You didn't have to watch that. You're right. What would be catharsis? I, would be watching the Cardinals lose the wild card game on an Adam Wainwright curveball that he hangs that Mokey Betts hits over the fence. That would be That's fine for
1: me. There you go. <laughs> and we are barreling towards that possibility. Okay. Fine. Touche. Whatever. Cardinals fan Alex is back. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. I'm on board that Harrison Bader <laughs> bandwagon.
0: Wow. Um congrats to you and all of your fellow. January 6th, rioters. Good luck <laughs> in your trials. <laughs> this has been yeah, another... you know, that, that Arizona audit, um, I still have some questions. Right. Some questions just about that. Just reasonable questions. Can you find those answers at getvaccineanswers.org or whatever?
1: Yeah, well, I just want the people to know I'm doing my own research, okay? I respect everyone else out there, but I'm doing my own research. Peer-reviewed, I assume. D- Double-blind trials and all that all that jazz.
0: <laughs> um. Okay, that'll do it for another episode of Tipping Pitches. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, I believe this is our final episode before the end of the regular season. So, if your team is in the hunt, best of luck to you. Unless, like Alex, you are a Cardinals fan, although they're they're pretty much in because they've won 16 games in a row. That'll help your wild card chances. Hold on, I'm calculating playoff probability after you win 16 <laughs> games in a row. Um, if you would like to. Get yourself a unionize the miners T-shirt like these folks who did and shared a photo of themselves: Sarah and Alana, Rose, androgynites, and Summer Ann. You can go to tiny.cc backslash nationalize, where you can find all of our unionize the miners merch. Proceeds go to more than baseball, as they organize funds for minor leaguers who need it for housing, food, supporting their families, equipment, all of that good stuff. Or you can also get a hat that says "No billionaires in baseball," or a T-shirt that says "Steel bases, not wages." Those are cool too. Um, Alex, is there anything else that you would like to let people know before we end this here episode?
1: No, I think that's it. If you want to drop us a line about how betrayed you feel that I would I would I would root for for such a blasphemous team, you can do it. You can reach us at tipping underscore pitches. On Twitter, you can email us, tippingpitchespod at gmail.com. Or you can call us directly, voice your frustration, unfiltered at 785-422-5881. Or you can just rant about your owners. We're uh, We're pretty friendly to that sentiment as well. So please do it.